Hello, I'm Paula Simons, and this is Alberta Unbound. When you go online to track Lourdes Swan's digital footprint, it's hard sometimes to grasp that one woman is responsible for quite so many different things. She's an urban planner with a master's degree in environmental design and the CEO of Hive Developments, a Calgary-based planning consultancy. But she also has a longtime interest in aesthetics, and I don't mean architectural aesthetics, I mean personal ones. And so she's the owner of a popular Calgary spa and Turkish bath called Soma. Oh, and she's also the CEO of Fresh Roots, a not-for-profit mobile grocery service that delivers affordable, healthy food to people in lower-income neighborhoods in Calgary and Edmonton. And she's the founder of Leftovers Foundation, a food rescue charity that aims to reduce food waste and hunger by matching food donations with those who need them. But when I sat down to talk to Lourdes Juan, I didn't actually speak to her really about any of those things. We talked instead about her identity as a Filipina Albertan, an identity that came into sharp focus in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's that conversation recorded this past October. You are an urban planner. You're a successful spa entrepreneur, uh, and you're also a groundbreaking, I, I would guess I'd say, an uh, entrepreneurial philanthropist. So how did those three very different things help to shape your own identity? Because there's, they're very different. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm the daughter of, I am those things for sure. They have sort of shaped my career and, and my work, but you know, I'm the daughter of, of immigrant parents um, who worked really hard to, to build us a home in Calgary and in Alberta. So, you know, I'm super grateful for the opportunities that I've been given, but also that I've grasped onto that have made sort of um, my career trajectory the way it is. Um, and I think, you know, because I'm the daughter of immigrant parents, because I watched my mom work three jobs um, when we were kids, because she she had a, a formal nursing background, but it didn't translate when she moved from the Philippines. My dad moved here really young. So of course they didn't have, you know, the prospects of post-secondary education and all those things were, were not for my working class family or the generation above me. And my dad did decide to go back to school, but it was fairly late. Um, so I think just seeing kind of all these things uh, growing up kind of shaped me to make sure that I give back, uh, make sure that we're looking at, you know, populations that are are overlooked typically, and how we can address some of these things that, um, you know, are really basic for anyone who sits in a seat of privilege, um, but but really are are really overlooked for a large part of our of our population in Alberta. So I just tried to take my entrepreneurial lens and and make things work. So how did your, I guess I should back up and say, so how did your family come to Canada? What is, what is your origin story? So, you know, the day before uh, President Marcos in the Philippines declared martial law, uh, my family was a, a middle to upper class working family in, um, in the Philippines. My grandfather was a lawyer. He worked, I think, for one of the big banks. And I think he could sniff out uh, what was happening with the government, um, you know, not different than what's happening today in, in many cases, um, where we have these, you know, really divisive government shifts and, uh, 
And that's what was happening in the Philippines. And so he had applied for uh, to move to Canada. His sisters had already moved uh, to Canada previously. So he was sort of on the next train. And um, they moved the day before uh, Marcos declared martial law. Oh, wow. So my, my grandfather was a lawyer in the Philippines, moved to Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, my dad's the eldest of four, so he was 13 and um, did school in Winnipeg. Their, their family eventually moved to Edmonton, uh, where I was born. I was born in St. Albert. Um, and my mom's origin story is a bit different. She's the youngest of 12. Um, which isn't uncommon, I don't think, in the Philippines, maybe uncommon now, but she's the youngest of 12. And so the age gap between her eldest sibling and sort of the younger ones is, you know, 40 years. Um, and so she uh, was really close with her brother, who is number 11. And they immigrated here when she was about 18 with my grandparents and my, my parents both met in Edmonton in their very early 20s. Um, and decided uh, they met at West Edmonton Mall, actually. I'd okay, that is the most perfect Alberta origin story ever. <laughs> Alberta story. <laughs> um, and decided um, they got married and, and had children really young. So now there's, there's three of us. I'm the middle of, of three girls, and I'm uh, cooking up my own little baby today. So, <laughs> that's, that's where uh, and when, when does this, this, this newest thing arrive? The newest one. Um, so this is our first. Um, oh, wow. Uh, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but um, we find out on Monday, uh, March 29th, same day as my nephew, actually, my sister's son is the very same day. So we like to do things together, I guess. <laughs> That's really wonderful. So what, what values do you think uh, from your parents and your grandparents have you carried over into, into your work in Calgary? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot about this because, you know, when my grandfather moved here, he was a lawyer in the Philippines, he had guards, there was nannies uh, for his children, and he moved to Winnipeg and became a janitor, and he was a janitor until the end of his career, and when he was sort of scoping out Canada and, and where to live, he actually relied on the YMCA, he relied on a nonprofit um, to kind of get him off his feet and, and see the lay of the land. So I think, you know, that sort of um, support and, and sentiment I have for the nonprofit sector is, runs very deep. Um, but I also think, you know, like I said, seeing my mom work so much because her degree didn't transfer, her education didn't transfer over. So she had to work at a grocery store so we could get a discount on groceries. She was a nurse's aide. She picked up odd jobs while my dad went to school um, so that he could get an engineering degree and, you know, hope that um, they would provide for, for three young daughters. So I think, you know, value-wise, that sort of hardworking, um, that, that hardworking value is really hardwired <laughs> into my system um, because you, you, I think you want to emulate and, and it's natural to do what you see when you're growing up. And I saw a lot of hard work. I saw a lot of entrepreneurialism. My dad started his engineering company um, fairly young uh, in his career, maybe five or six years into working at a corporation. Uh, and I also think, you know, my family was a part of the Filipino community. Um, 
uh, in Edmonton and in, and in Calgary. Um, maybe not so much today, but certainly that camaraderie of, you know, immigrants and young families that were coming from the Philippines that had so much shared um, experiences and language and food and all of these things really brought that together. So I think growing up and understanding that that community building piece was important uh, is something that I, I just subconsciously hold on to, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure you know the phrase model minority. And I think in Alberta, it's fair to say that uh, for better or worse, uh, Filipino Albertans have sort of fit that model minority stereotype. Mm -hmm. So it was, I confess, a shock to me during COVID-19 to see in my inbox and on social media a really ugly backlash against Filipino Canadians because they had a higher than average rate of COVID infection, which was, of course, because they were, in many cases, doing jobs that put them on the front lines of the pandemic. Uh, but I have to admit, I was really taken aback at the degree of vitriol. And I wondered what it was like for you to see that, perhaps really for the first time. Yeah, you know, I think, I think what it really showed, and because I do food systems work, was a huge gap in our food system because the jobs that Filipinos have when they come to Canada are, you know, those janitorial jobs like my grandfather had, working at Cargill, food processing, working in tight quarters, working for minimum wage. Um, and I think we didn't really see that before. Um, we didn't really see the exposure of working conditions for one of the fastest growing populations in Alberta. Um, and, and now that we did, uh, and that was under a microscope, what was also under a microscope was their living conditions. We don't pay Filipinos enough to buy houses where like my, myself and my husband can live just the two of us. You know, we, and it, it hasn't changed for years. My, when my, uh, I remember living when we were kids with two aunts and an uncle because, <laughs> they just didn't have the money to go and, and get their own places. That wasn't a thing. And so growing up in a large family is not only familiar and, and sometimes wanted, but it also isn't an option. Uh, and so when you have a pandemic and their response is, um, you know, well, why are they all living together? Like, why are they always seeing each other? Why are the cases so high? That's the culture that one is familiar and two that that we've we've set up for them and so the vitriol and all of those things that were happening was completely unfair and unfounded and um sort of really maddening but also i think helped a little bit it helped people see the actual truth of of what was happening behind the scenes that we just didn't see before. And, and I don't think Alberta is a special case to that. I think many immigrants that come have to take these types of jobs um, and they're forced into situations that aren't pandemic friendly, if you can call it that. Well, and of course, the other part of that, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many Filipino Canadians working in the food processing sector, in the, in the food retail sector, working as waitresses, working in grocery stores. But also so much of our healthcare system runs on 
you know, our, our healthcare system would fall apart without the Filipino Canadian nurses and LPNs and physiotherapists and lab techs and, and hospital custodians. I mean, uh, and, and, and health aid workers in, in our seniors centers. I mean, I, I, can, I can only hope that that also opened people's eyes to just, to what an essential part of Alberta's healthcare system, Filipino trained uh, health workers are. Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, I, I guess that too hasn't changed. You know, when my mom moved here um, and her nothing transferred uh, and she couldn't afford to go back to school and get the licensing that she needed, she was doing that grunt nurse's aid work at three different care hospitals in Calgary. Um, and I think she really loved those jobs because there was also other Filipinos there who were also doing those jobs with her. And so there was this sense of community and camaraderie there that just has carried uh, through, through many generations. And, um, and you see it now, like I was uh, at the hospital and maternity clinic the other week and you'll always find a Filipino, like you'll always have someone um, that, that you kind of have that familiarity with. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think that for a lot of people, it exposed, I don't know how to put this, like the, the vulnerability of being cast in that model minority role, that all of a sudden, um, a culture of people who were, you know, quote unquote, the good immigrants suddenly found themselves in, in the spotlight getting this racist backlash in what I think for a lot of people was a really quite unprecedented way. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's something um, that the Filipino community is was used to. Um, I think they were uh, very much happy going and doing their jobs. And, um, you know, I, I, I actually recently listened to a podcast on the model minority and how we actually need to push back on that yeah. because it, it makes other minorities not model. Um, and so, you know, that whole notion of, um, you know, where I think the multicultural community can support each other is pushing back on that notion and not being sort of on this imaginary pedestal yep. that, um, that sort of white folks have, have, have labeled us as, um, and really just talk about the issues at hand, which, which are, are what the pandemic has exposed for these quote model minorities, um, and really has talked about and, and, and really brought a light to the fact that that shouldn't be a thing. It's, it's not, <laughs> um, it's not a thing that should happen or should so, be a label. So what do you think the impact of this is going to be, especially on, uh, younger Filipino Albertans, especially those who, who were born here? I mean, do you think it's going to change the way you feel as an Albertan? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that the next generation of Filipinos, I can see it now because the generation before us, um, and, and, you know, my father always said, you can be whatever you want to be. It doesn't matter what your career is to me, just be a professional at it. Um, and with that really is the notion about post-secondary. And I think a lot of Filipino families assume that their children are going into post-secondary um, so that they can get the education and have careers and um, excel and not have to struggle like their parents did. And so I think 
even now we're seeing that generational shift. We're, we're seeing um, new Filipinos and, and uh, the generation even under me um, make sure that they've set out a really stable future for themselves um, based on, I think, their parents' um, struggle. So a lot of the time in the course of Alberta Unbound, I've been asking people the same question about how they define what it is to be an Albertan and whether they define themselves as Albertans. So I, I wonder, what does that mean for you? Do you see yourself as an Albertan? And, and what do you think being an Albertan means? Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely, I've always seen myself as a Calgarian, for sure. Oh, no, no, we can't claim you. I mean, you're, you're born, born in St. Albert. I, I don't know if I can let that stand. I know. I know. Um, you know, to qualify, uh, I was only in St. Albert for like two or three months of my life. So All right. Okay. Gonna... You can. All right. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let Calgary claim. I I'm a fake I Calgarian. That, uh... <laughs> I think, you know, I... I really want to identify as an Albertan, and I, and I think I do, actually, for the most part, but I think what I think about a lot is I hope that others also see me as an Albertan, and they don't see me as, um, you know, a first-generation immigrant or, you know, Filipino. I, I just want people to see me as Canadian, and, and I really actually push back when people ask where I'm from and then ask where I'm really from. Yeah, so the um, answer is I'm from Calgary and then I'm really from St. Albert. <laughs> exactly, see, Paula gets it. <laughs> Senator Simons totally understands. <laughs> but that's what I hope, you know, I hope that, you know, I identify as an Albertan, as a Canadian. Um, you know, I am troubled by some of my experiences and, and by some of the experiences of thousands of people who make this province their home, who call this province their home, um, but they aren't really reflected in who Albertan, who, who an Albertan really is. Um, and I think I want to be part of changing that narrative of I want to be seen as a typical Albertan. Um, you know, my parents met at West Edmonton Mall. I mean, <laughs> I, um, I wear a cowboy hat sometimes during Stampede. Like, th these are not weird things this is just part of being an Albertan so I hope others see that um, too. And what Alberta do you want your newcomer to grow up in? I want um, I want this baby to grow up in a world where uh, they don't have to fight for uh, food security where they don't have to fight for um, affordable housing um, and, and where there is a sense of, and, and where there is inclusion and diversity and that's accepted. Um, my, my husband is from the Maritimes, our, our child will be mixed race and I want them to be able to feel like they can do anything. Um, and that opportunities are there in Alberta for them, and they don't have to worry about basic needs. That was my conversation with Calgary entrepreneur and philanthropist Lourdes Dwan, recorded this past October. Thank you to Lourdes, and thank you to you, dear listener, for adding Alberta Unbound to your podcast menu. Alberta Unbound is edited and produced by Ame Charnalia. If you've been enjoying these conversations, I hope you'll share them with others. 
You can find our previous episodes wherever all good podcasts are hosted. I hope you'll keep listening as we continue our investigation of Alberta identity. Stay well and stay safe. Until next time, I'm Paula Simons. Thank you.